morning, everyone, and welcome to today's audio podcast, a sermon teaching from Grace Bible Church of Akron. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of GBC and would like to enjoy more resources and weekly updates, we hope that you will visit our website at gbcakron.org or hit the link in our bio. If you enjoy this podcast, please take a minute to let us know by leaving us a five-star review wherever you are listening. Also, if you would like to support Grace Bible Church, you may do so by visiting gbcakron.org slash giving. Thank you for listening and enjoy the podcast. Good morning again. In case you didn't know, it was Christmas. I mean, we got the decorations up. Didn't this look great? Yeah, they did a wonderful job, didn't they? Yeah, Christmas season is definitely here. I mean, uh, Black Friday's happened, Cyber Monday took place, we're singing Christmas songs, we're putting decorations up, Christmas has, has definitely started, it's hard to believe, where did 11 months go, right? All of a sudden, we're at the end of 2023, and uh, here we are getting ready to celebrate Christmas. We uh, are moving into uh, a new uh, sermon series through this month as we look at Christmas uh, talking about the different aspects of Christmas and how we might truly be able uh, to, to worship the Lord and connect with Him uh, through this Christmas season. And uh, what we want to talk about this morning is the idea that um, one of the major themes uh, around Christmas is compassion. And, and so uh, this morning I want us to think uh, about compassion how, how the Lord had compassion on us and, and how he's called us to have compassion on other people around us. And uh, I had some, uh, I'm going to be honest with you, what I had planned to do this morning, uh, some of it has come together and some of it has not. You'll see that as, as we go through this uh, together this morning. But uh, the idea that that uh, Christmas is about compassion. I know that a lot of times we, uh, you know, at Christmas, part of what we do is we give gifts to people and, and we buy gifts and we, uh, we share those with, with people around us. Um, but the idea behind compassion is this idea that we would be compassionate to people who cannot be or, or who, who can't repay us. Be kind to people who may not be kind back to us. Be, be caring to someone who, may, not, not that they're mean. I'm not talking about finding the meanest people in the world and trying to be compassionate to them. I'm talking about the idea that, that there are people in the world that we can be compassionate to and they're not at, they don't have the capacity to be compassionate back. Primarily because of what might be going on in their life. And, and for us to recognize that and see that in someone else, and, and the reason that's important is because that's exactly what Jesus did for us. I mean, Christmas is about Jesus coming the first time, but it's a reminder that he's coming again. And the fact that Jesus came the first time is this idea that he had compassion for us. And, 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 and we are not in a place to even come close to repaying him and carrying that out and fleshing that out in our lives. Uh, The theme or the word compassion is used 69 times in the Bible. It comes up over and over and over again. And and you can't read the Bible, Old Testament or New Testament, without discovering that God is a God of compassion. 
And it comes up over and over and over again. Now, we're not going to look at all 69 times this morning, so you can take a, take a breather. It's going to be okay. But we are going to look at some things that what the Bible says about compassion. His compassion, it shows up early in the Old Testament. In, Acts, in, in Exodus uh, chapter 34, verse 6, it says, The Lord passed in front of Moses, calling out, Yahweh, the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy. I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. Did you know that? You know God is not ticked off. There's a lot of people in the world think God's ticked off right now. He's mad at everybody. He's, he's ticked off at the world, and he can't wait to pour out his wrath on us. That's not the, that's not the God that's described in scriptures. He, he is a God of compassion and mercy with unfailing love for us. Now, we don't deserve it, right? I mean, we don't deserve to be loved. But it's because of his compassion that he keeps on loving us, irregardless of how we behave. That's what makes him God. That's what makes him so much different from any other uh, higher being that other people talk about. God is a God of compassion, full of it. He is full of compassion for us. And it just doesn't end. And that, that is communicated early in the Old Testament. And it keeps being dropped in the scriptures all the way through as you read the Bible. If we move on to the Psalms, it says, The Lord is gracious and righteous. Our God is full of compassion. Full of it. I mean, I don't know, I don't know any other way he could describe himself and the compassion that he has. It, he's full of compassion. It's hard for us to imagine because we are not full of compassion. We're full of a lot of things, but not compassion, okay? And, and so it's hard for us to imagine what it must be like to be full of compassion. We may have compassionate moments where, you know, we see an animal commercial on TV, and we have compassion for the poor animals in the world that are mistreated. Listen, I... I agree, animals shouldn't be mistreated. But we can completely overlook the people we're rubbing shoulders with who are hurting and being mistreated in this world and have no compassion for them. I'm, I'm an animal lover, okay? I got, I got two dogs. One's not enough. All right? I got two. So, so I'm an animal lover. Don't get me wrong. But, but people are more important. People are more important than our animals. And our God cares about people. He cares about people. And it's hard for us to imagine because we get tired of people. We get tired of the people we were born into that family. We get tired of those people. God has compassion for them. We get tired of the people we go to work with because they're, they're rude or they don't have the same values. Or, and God has compassion for them. We get tired of the people that we, maybe we go to school with or, 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 or that we sit in the classroom with or the people that we live around. We may even get tired of the people we go to church with. But God has compassion. He's full of compassion for those people. And that never ceases. It's hard for us to grasp that because we're not full of compassion. He's calling us 
to be compassionate. It doesn't come natural to me and you. You get it? I mean, it's natural for God to be compassionate. It's work for you and I to be compassionate. It's work. Psalms 145 says, The Lord is good to everyone. He showers compassion on all of his creation. I love that picture of shower. There's nothing worse in the world than a weak shower. Am I right? I mean, nobody wants to stand under a dribble. Right? Nobody wants that. Our God, when he showers compassion, I get the image of, of this, this, it just pours. He showers compassion. Does it, it doesn't just dribble from heaven. It showers down on us. You and I are the recipients of his compassion every day. You may not know it. We may not recognize it. We, we may not acknowledge that it comes from him. But I'm telling you, every day, God showers his compassion on me and you. And we are the recipients of his compassion because it never runs out. Now, now here's the problem. We think our lives are so full of trouble and our lives are so full of problems and challenges that God's not being compassionate. But that's not true. That's not true. Yes, we have challenges. Yes, we have problems. But it all depends on what you focus on. God's good to you every day. Every day he is good to us. He is full of compassion. And it is showering on us every day. The Bible talks about Jesus and what he was like in Matthew chapter 9. It says, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. You know, it says that five times in the Gospels, that he saw a crowd and he had compassion. What do you do when you see a crowd? Most of the time we complain that we're stuck in it, or we look at it and we say, boy, I'm glad I'm not in that. Jesus looked at the crowds and he said, I care about them. I care about them. James 5, if we get closer to the end of the New Testament, it says there just one more time, the Lord is full of compassion. He's full of compassion for me and for you. That word compassion, it means to love or, or love deeply. It can also mean to have mercy. It can mean to have tender affection for someone. It means to have pity or to show kindness. It's, it's a really big word. It means a lot of things, and it's hard to sum it up in just one tight definition. But, but the idea behind compassion is, is that we show compassion to people who, who cannot repay us. We are really good at being kind to people who are kind to us or kind to, to those who are like us, or kind to someone that, that maybe they're just kind of having a bad day, but that's not how it is for them all the time. You know they don't really need you all the time. They, they just are having a bad moment, and so it's easy to step in and help in that bad moment. But, but real compassion, real compassion is reaching out to people 
who are stuck in a place of vulnerability, and there is absolutely no way they could ever help you back. That's real compassion. And you know what? That's where we are when it comes to God. You do understand we don't really have anything to offer him. He doesn't need us. He just wants to have a relationship with us. But he, but he doesn't need us. And folks, I know we think highly of ourselves. We may even think highly of one another. But we don't really bring anything to the table. We, we don't. God's just full of compassion for us. And, and he calls out to us and he says, who do you show compassion to in your life? Who, who are the people or the persons or the group in your life that, that you reach out to? They're in such a spot, they'll never be able to help you back. They'll never be able to repay your kindness. And you love them for no other reason except that you want to know them. You want them to know that you care about them. Maybe, maybe you'll be friends. Maybe, maybe you'll, you'll develop a relationship with each other. But even if you don't, it's okay because that's what compassion is. You're not doing it to get something out of it. You're doing it to let them know you care. That's hard for us to live that way. But that's exactly what Christmas is about. The greatest act of com compassion that ever happened was when Jesus came. There's nothing we have to offer him. But yet he had compassion on us. It's the sinners. That's what we are. We don't talk about it very much, do we? Who's a sinner? All right, good job. Good job. We, I don't have to start over. This is good. This is good. God is just full of compassion for us. Even though we know we're sinners, we have nothing to offer him. But he loves us anyway. There was a guy named John Bunyan. Some of you might have heard that name. He wrote um, Pilgrim's Progress. He wrote a lot of other things too. But, but this is one line that he said about compassion that I came across and I thought I'd share it with you. It says, you have not lived today until you have done something for someone who can never repay you. Those are good words. In following Jesus, our goal is to be like him. And he was compassionate. Look at Philippians. It says, in your relationships with one another... Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. I read a, a story this week about former President uh, George W.H. Uh, Bush. After he was no longer the president, you know they are... Uh, required to have a secret service detail for the rest of their life. And he was 89 years old when this happened. He's already passed away, but, but when he was 89 years old, he noticed that 
all of the members of his secret service detail showed up to work one day bald. They had all shaved their heads. And he began to ask what was going on. Why did everyone shave their heads? And come to find out, there was a child of one of the agents on his detail who had cancer and was going through treatments, and that child had lost all of their hair. And so in consolidation with that child and what was going on with that family, all the Secret Service agents had their heads shaved. And George H.W. Bush said, well, I want to do that too. And at 89 years old, he had his head shaved. It's an act of compassion to stand with someone who's going through something. I mean, he's a former president. He's got a secret service detail for the rest of his life. But he wasn't too big to shave his head. That's compassion. That's, that's compassion. And Jesus, in a much bigger way, was in heaven with all of its glory and said, you know what? I'll have compassion. And become one of us. I'll take on all the challenges of humanity. Because I love you. And I have compassion for you. And to follow Jesus means that we need to find ways to practice compassion in our lives. To find those people around us that God has placed in our circle that we need to acknowledge they're there and they'll never be able to do anything for us. But we need to have compassion for them. This happened to me when I was in California. I there began to have compassion for a group of people that, that I'd never had compassion for before. They're what we call refugees. And when I was in California, I, uh, the church that I, that I pastored there, um, there was a, a Ukrainian pastor who approached me one day and asked if his congregation could meet in our building on Sunday afternoons after our services were over with. And of course, we agreed to that. And, and then he began to come and show up and talk to me about some of the challenges that refugees were having in resettling. And I was just completely oblivious to that. I had no idea the challenges that they were facing. It was just something I had never been exposed to. And as he shared his story with me, I began to learn how he lost everything and how he was separated from family and how he felt guilty sometimes that, that he was alive and others lost their lives or that he was getting to start over in America while others were left behind. And I just wasn't aware of any of that. God stirred something in me and I began to have compassion for these people when I moved to Akron uh, and the Lord called us here I discovered in that process that Akron was a refugee city I didn't even know what that meant 
I just kind of tucked it in the back of my mind. It, it came back later, and, and I began to discover that there's this huge refugee population here in Akron, and, and it stirred me. I, I have compassion for them. I, 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 I know they can never do anything for Grace Bible Church, not even asking them to do anything for Grace Bible Church. So uh, we, we started what, what we call the International Welcome Center, and I've been very fortunate, okay? I'm surrounded by people here at Grace Bible Church who I wasn't alone in having compassion for those people. There are several people, several sitting in here, several who will sit in the next service, several watching online who also had compassion for these people. And as a result of that, the International Welcome Center was, was birthed and put together. Now, what I had planned to do today I had asked a former refugee to come and share their story and what it was like to be a refugee. And uh, Matt was going to interview them here. And uh, that, that refugee, that former refugee, they're now a citizen, got sick this weekend and, and had to back out the last minute. So you got stuck with me <laughs> and my story and, and how the Lord stirred me to have compassion. We're refugees. I was thinking about it, and, and really, the one thing that solidified it for me, that God, that God really wanted me to have compassion for refugees, uh, happened uh, several years ago here in Ohio. Um, I was getting ready to, to go to Kenya for one of my mission trips there. And we had already started working with with a few refugees here. The International Welcome Center was in its early days. And, and so uh, really we were, we didn't know what we were doing. We were just trying to, to show compassion and show love. And one, one of those uh, people that we were working with found out that I was going to Kenya. And, and he had family in, in Kenya. He had been a refugee in Kenya in one of the refugee camps there in Nairobi, Kenya. And, and he got to come to the U.S., but not all of his family did. He still had family back in Nairobi. And so when he found out that, that I was going to be going to Nairobi in Kenya, he came to me uh, and he handed me an iPhone that he had purchased. And he said, Pastor Kerry, I, I want you to take this iPhone and give it to my family in Nairobi so that we can talk to each other. Now, Nairobi has 8 million people in it. And those are just the ones they're counting. They're not counting the refugees. And I know this, and, and I look at this, this guy who asked me to do this, and in my mind I'm thinking, I am never going to find your family in Nairobi. And I'm trying to think of a kind way to let them down. And, and just say, I, I can't do this. I, there, I, there's really no need for me to take your iPhone over there. I, I can never find your family. And so in so many words, I said that to this person. And I'll never forget what this person said back to me. They, they handed me a piece of paper with a phone number on it. An international phone number. Not like one of our phones. And they handed me this, this piece of paper with a phone number. And this is what this, this person said to me. They said, 
my family is in Nairobi. You are going to Nairobi. God will make a way. So I said, okay. What do you do? I packed up for my trip. I, I had that iPhone. I took it with me. The whole time I'm thinking, this is not going to happen. I'm going to have to come back with this iPhone and just say, I, I couldn't find your van. So I got to Nairobi. Uh, we get there where we're setting up for where we're going to do our training. Uh, first day, there's a guy there that I'm working with that's an interpreter. And so I kind of pull him aside and I pull out the iPhone and I tell him the whole story of what I'm trying to do. He looks at me with this face like, this is impossible. I said, I know, I know, but let's call the number. Let's see if we can somehow make a connection while I'm here for the next couple of weeks. He said, this number probably doesn't even work. I said, I get it, but let's at least say we tried. We called the number. Somebody answered on the other line. It was this person's family, and they were one kilometer from where I was. Less than a mile from where I was standing. And that day, they walked to where I was, got that phone, and I stood there and watched as they talked to each other over the phone. And the tears that they shed over being able to and I walked away from that saying, okay, God, I get it. You're doing, you're doing something here that you're calling me into to have compassion for these individuals. That's how God called me to compassion. And, I, and again, I've been very fortunate to be surrounded by people who are also compassionate that have allowed this to come together. But I want to introduce to you another couple. Stephen's going to come with them, and they're going to share their story of how God has called them to compassion. And I'm going to let them tell it. So guys, come on up. Come up, Mike and Michelle. Well, just a couple weeks ago, uh, Pastor Kerry, myself, and Tara had the opportunity to go to a minister's breakfast at the Summit, I want to get the name right, the Summit County Children's Services up in Akron. And um, we learned about the great need that there is for foster families in Summit County. So consider this for a second. In the 2022 to 2023 calendar year, there were 598 children removed from homes in the top 10 target zip codes in Summit County. And of those 598 kids removed, there were 56 available foster homes in those area codes, those zip codes. At the breakfast, we learned that there's even more disparity in the numbers in this calendar year, specifically that there are upwards of 900 children in Summit County in the care of children's services and around 120 foster homes. 
as you can see, there is a glaring need for people to get involved in caring for these children and showing these children compassion. And so I have the awesome privilege today to have two very special people um, with me on stage, Mike and Michelle Lyons. And the Lyons family, they are active, both foster and adoptive parents. Their home, um, had, it, I learned this just through talking, they've had over 30, is it correct? 30 uh, children in their home over the years. Um, they've adopted two. The, the, more of their story will be shared here in a moment. But a little more on Michelle. Michelle also, and she may look familiar because you may have seen her in the lobby. She and Amanda and Trisha lead a, a adoptive and foster care group called Open Hearts, Open Hands here at GBC. Um, and they do incredible things for the community. They provide support and care for foster families. In fact, tomorrow, they have a, they, a Christmas party for foster, foster parents in our area, and they have 120 plus that are coming to that. So we're really, really excited to be up here with them to interview them today and just kind of hear a little bit of their story. And so um, the first question that I have for the two of you is this. I want you to describe your journey of becoming foster parents. Um, when did you discern that God was calling you to serve in that capacity and be a foster family? Um, I've always loved kids. Um, I've always had a desire to have lots of kids. Um, so I kept seeing signs, uh, billboards, that foster parents were needed. And then I would hear it on the radio, and it was about a year that I prayed about it before I went to Mike, and I said, what do you think about becoming foster parents? And we had a four, nine, and 13-year-old, our, our daughters at the time. And um, I really expected him to say no, and he said, okay, we'll consider it. Um, so we also invited Pastor Gary and Jerry over to explain their process because they were the only people at the time that we knew who had fostered. Um, so they kind of shared expectations with us and helped us to kind of have a good mindset going in on what it would be like. Um, so I'll have Mike share how he came to be okay with the idea. So when Michelle came to me and asked me if I wanted to be a foster parent, I decided I would entertain the idea and learn more about it. So Michelle set up a time for us to go to uh, Summit County for an informational meeting to learn about foster care. And essentially, we were discouraged when we were there. I didn't know if we could afford to become foster parents because essentially they didn't provide daycare costs. They didn't, uh, they only gave you a small stipend, which didn't cover all the expenses. And mind you, we had three of our own little kids to pay for at the time. So we left that meeting discouraged, not sure if it would really ever happen. And months had went by and Michelle set up another meeting because she never lost faith. And so we went to Stark County, and we went for an informational meeting. And then when we got there, in the parking lot, um, when Michelle and I were walking inside, there was another couple getting out of their car. And I didn't understand at all what was happening. And the father reached in the back seat of his car, grabbed a pizza and a bag of pop and some chips, and walked inside with us. And I was kind of intrigued by them, so I just kept watching. And I realized that they were meeting their children for dinner. And at that time, we had three little kids as well. 
And I couldn't imagine not being able to eat dinner with them on a nightly basis. So it touched me, and at that moment, I knew we were going to become foster parents. Wow, that's, that's powerful. The second thing I want to ask you is um, not all families are, are in the place they can foster or adopt, but what are some ways they can get involved in caring for displaced children and showing them compassion? I came up with three ways. Um, one way is to become a respite family, and you would have to become a licensed foster family, but you only take kids maybe for the weekend or a week. You completely control your schedule, control who comes into your house. Um, I will say with our first placement, if we had not had a respite family that took him once a week, we wouldn't have, we wouldn't have been able to make it. He was, came in as a nonverbal two-and-a-half-year-old who screamed, bit, hit, my kids needed a break, and this lady was kind of our angel for the 10 months he was with us because we would have probably disrupted. Um, but she kept him, and he, it was like going to grandma's house. A lot of fun for him and gave us a break. Um, so respite families are one way. You can help with open hearts, open hands. We have um, bags you can pack. You can deliver bags for us. You can help at our support group. And many of you have given items to that, and we appreciate that so much. And the third way is to be a wraparound family. So as of right now, I know of seven families in our church body who are either respite or foster parents. There are many in our community, and we could connect you with one, and you would be able to maybe take them a meal once a month, maybe go over and hold a baby that's been crying as they're withdrawing, um, send an encouraging note, maybe babysit while they go out to dinner, um, and you can become an alternate caregiver, which is just you fill out a background check, so they say you're good to watch kids, basically, and you can help that family. Uh, just to add to what Michelle said, um, in my words, um, to basically help foster families not become burnt out and want to give up, because a lot of times you can only do it for a certain period of time, because it's a lot. And I would say that I would find that family or a family in a support group and donate your time or your money or just even pray for them because they need your support. Absolutely. I mean, in prep, preparing for this interview, I remember you saying something. I, I thought it was a real tangible, real practical thing that, you know, a lot of foster parents, your kids were in sports when you had foster kids. I mean, it's as simple as going to a, a sports function with them just to watch uh, they're you know, play on the playground with the, with the kids with the the foster kids because maybe they're not the same age and and um, any of you have small children go to sports events knows what I'm talking about but I mean just some tangible ways that you can reach out to the families even in our current context in our congregation so those are those are helpful helpful very practical things when people say to you because I've I've heard you you said people will say this to you that I love that you feel called to this but I could never do it. What are your true thoughts <laughs> about their comment? I mean, because obviously you have to, I'm sure you've bit your tongue, but share some of your true thoughts or feelings about that sort of perspective, that mentality. Well, I believe everybody can do something. You know, you may not be called to have kids into your home, but you can do something. Um, fostering is challenging. It is hard. Um, but I would have missed God in so many ways had we not said yes. Um, a lot of people um, say I could never do this. I would get too attached. Well, I will tell you I get very attached, and it is hard to let them go. But 
many times I've formed a relationship with that mom and I can, you know, introduce her to Jesus. I can be a mentor. I can help her find resources in the community so that when those kiddos go home, she's successful. Um, so I guess, you know, I would say even if you are entertaining the idea, I would find out more about it. Sure thing. Well, this I'm a little passionate about. Um, the coach in me comes out and essentially you can do anything you want to do if you want it bad enough. Um, it's all about your priorities in life. For example, I, I preach to my kids on a regular basis about keeping their priorities in line. God, family, school, their responsibilities. And I ask them all the time where their social commitments and where their hobbies come into that list. And we cannot allow our social commitments or our, our hobbies to come ahead of those things. And I think even as adults, we have to make sure our priorities are in line to, to do what we are called to do. Sure. Is there anything that you would love to share with or like to share with the church body about foster care or adoption? Maybe something that they might not be aware of or something they, they should know? Um, something that resonated with me is just not to judge people who come here um, with children. I can remember the children's wing was over there with our first placement, and I heard him scream the entire service. Um, and I couldn't console him. He'd only been with us for a week. I had no bond with the kid. Um, and I can just remember Pastor Kerry um, telling us it was okay. He understood. And, you know, had people said things, we might not have came back to grace. So just having that compassion and the grace on people who might come here with foster children. Well, the Bible calls us to care for children and the less fortunate. Yeah. I mean, and... In our training, we went through extensive training to get our licenses and be relicensed over the years. And throughout that process, Michelle and I have been the minority in our trainings. And I don't mean that by race or nationality, but by believers in Christ. The, and I feel as a church body, and not by grace on Manchester Road, but just by the church as a whole, if we don't step up and raise these children, the world is going to. So we have a choice, and that's the choice that we made. Absolutely. And the last question, and I think this one, um, just hearing, you know, you guys get the short version. I got to the privilege of hearing a lot more in my office. Um, but what have you learned about God through being a foster and adoptive parent? So um, my relationship with God is definitely growing in the past seven years. This is probably the hardest question for me. Sure. Um, one of the things he taught me was to be patient. In foster care, there are no quick answers. <laughs> um, you think your case is going one way, and it goes the op opposite way. Um, and God always taught me that there's a plan. Um, I'm going to give two examples. Um, our little guy, Jack, was set to go home. Um, we were, he had been with us a year and a half. He was spending three nights with mom. That's as they get close to reunification, they spend more time with mom. And him and his brother were spending three nights. And the caseworker and I both had an uneasy feeling, but we couldn't place it. There was nothing we could prove. So I just kept praying. And I reached out to my tribe, and they all started praying. And a week before he was set to go home, mom, something happened. 
and he was not able to go home, and he never went back to overnights. And had it been a week later, him and his brother would have experienced everything that happened. Um, so God had a plan for them, and I had to trust him. Um, and then the second thing came with Liam. Um, we never intended to adopt to begin with, and then Jack had been with us for three years, so it was like, well, we're his family. And then Liam was supposed to be with us a very short time until they established paternity, and then they were going to move him. And I was like, okay, I can do a baby for a little bit. Well, um, it came out that he was going to be able to be adopted, and, you know, I would take all kids. I'd have 100 kids if I could. Um, but it was a little bit harder decision for Mike and to agree to raise two boys when we are eight years away from having no children in our house. Um, kind of starting over was hard. Um, so, you know, it caused some disruption in our house and a lot of prayer. And I finally gave it to God. And I said, okay, God, if this is your will, you know, help me find a home for Liam. <laughs> so I found this family that lived in our area who I knew loved Jesus. And I invited them over. And Mike wasn't supposed to be home just because of the way the day has rolled out. And everything got pushed back. And Liam was crawling on the floor, and Mike came in. And he crawled up to him and said, Dada. And at that point, um, Mike's heart was changed. And we were able to keep Liam. So it just showed me that God always had a plan. And I had to give it to him before I could that could happen because I was trying to control the situation. I was trying to make it my way. And, you know, God just showed me again, I have a plan, Michelle, just wait. Well, this hasn't been an easy journey um, over the last year and a half with the process of adopting Jack and Liam. But we would not be able to be here today to say that we're parents of Jacquees and Liam Lyons if it wasn't for God being in control this whole time. Amen. Amen. Well, listen, um, before I invite Carrie back up, he's going to close the service. Do you mind? Can I pray for you guys and just pray for our congregation as well? Awesome. Um, God, thank you so much uh, for Mike and Michelle, Lord, and, and for the other foster families here at Grace Bible Church, Lord. Um, I'm just so grateful for them to come up and share just part of their story. Um, it's, it's very evident, God, that your hand was on their life, and Lord, that they were able to, in the very nature of showing compassion, Lord, they, they personified it. You know, they, they are helping these kids that may never be able to repay them, and probably won't, um, but making such a difference and such an impact. And with that comes heaviness. It comes dealing with hardship and trauma and, and pain. And yet they push through that because they want and they are dedicated and determined to show compassion. And so, Lord, I just want to lift up uh, Mike and Michelle to you, Lord, that your, your hand would continue to be on them. Lord, as they continue to serve you in this capacity and they continue to care for kids that aren't their biological children, but they love them with every bone in their body. And they show you uh, or they show them the love that you have for them. And they teach them about priorities and they're a strong a source of, of comfort and a safe place and a home for them. And so, Lord, I just pray for them. And I, I just pray for us as, as, as the church, Lord. I know that Mike, he gave a challenge, Lord Jesus, that 
we as the church, not just Grace Bible Church, but the church at large. We've got to step up and serve in whatever capacity that we can because these kids need that. And so, Lord, I just pray, Lord, we would respond to your spirit. You would lead us and you would guide us. And again, I just thank you for Mike and Michelle. I know it takes courage to stand up and to share things that you're doing in their life. And so I just appreciate that. And I just pray for them. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, again, thank you so, so much. I'm going to invite Carrie back. Oh, he's already up here. (laughs) So compassion, it's beautiful, isn't it? But it's costly, too. They go hand in hand. And that's why we have such a hard time being compassionate. Because it costs us something to be compassionate. It costs Jesus his life. So it's going to cost us something to be compassionate. I want to close our time together by reading a, a passage out of 2 Corinthians. It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. I uh, heard a story one time about a pack of porcupines. They were in a cold, frigid night, and they were freezing to death. The only way they were going to survive is if they huddled up close together. But every time they got close to one another, they would poke one another. And then they'd spread out. And they'd start getting cold again. And they'd come back together. And they'd poke one another. And they did that all night. It's a strange dance. But it's the dance we do. We're like porcupines. We know we need each other. We know we have something to offer, and we know we have something to receive. But every time we start getting close to each other, we just poke one another. But it's time for us to stay humble and stay warm and be compassionate. That's what God calls us to do. I want to close with a a passage from 1 John 3.17. I'm reading this out of the message. So it's, a, it's not a, a strict uh, interpretation of the Bible. It's a paraphrase of the Bible. But I really appreciate this verse and what it says. John, 1 John 3.17, it says, If you see some brother or sister in need and have the means to do something about it, but turn a cold shoulder and do nothing, What happens to God's love? It disappears. And you made it disappear. That's what happens when we're not compassionate. Our time together online this morning is over with. Thank you for joining us. We hope that you'll have a wonderful Christmas and join us again next week. 